0: Welcome to 13, a Colgate University podcast that asks 13 questions of Colgate community members. I'm your host, Dan DeVries, and today I will be talking all about the university's support for entrepreneurship. And to help with that rather broad topic, I am joined by three folks responsible for the university's Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. We have Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, Carolyn Strobel Larson. Assistant Director for Entrepreneurship and Innovation, Christian Vichy. And Entrepreneur in Residence, Travis Millman. Thank you all for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. So I'd
0: like to start off. I always try to start off at the ground level and give folks uh, a good primer um, about what we're going to be talking about. So uh, I wonder if each of you can kind of go around the table and tell us a little bit about your role within the office of entrepreneurship and innovation. And uh, what exactly you all are tasked with?
1: Sure, I'm happy to start. I'm Carolyn. So I've been uh, Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation now for the past three years. And my role is really overseeing our office and the programs that fall underneath us. We have a signature program, Thought into Action. We also have a number of other programs and initiatives under that broader umbrella of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. My first couple of years in the role, we spent a lot of time doing strategic planning around the role of our office here at Colgate, uh, and what our mission is and what our purpose is, uh, particularly now that ENI is situated within Colgate's Middle Campus for Arts, Creativity, and Innovation. So coming out of that, we really uh, had the opportunity to think about expanding beyond Thought into Action, which has been our signature program, to think about a wider, Um, suite of offerings and supports here on campus. We're under the provost and dean of the faculty division, and so we support both students but also faculty, staff, and other members of the Colgate community who are um, doing things that are entrepreneurial and innovative.
0: And when did everything start? What is the the, – when was the genesis of this?
1: Yeah. So TIA was established in 2009 by a group of Colgate alumni. Our office has become the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation more broadly in just last year uh, at the start of 2022 academic year.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, Christian, if you would like to go next.
2: Yeah. Hi. So, uh, again, I'm Christian Vichy. I am the Assistant Director for Entrepreneurship. I've been in our office for about 16 months now. And what I bring into our office is a lot of the facilitation of our programs. So, um, when re- students receive communications from our office, primarily they're receiving them from myself. Um, I help to make a lot of the logistics, the behind the scenes things happen to make sure that our program goes uh, smoothly. And uh, I'm Really looking forward to this year. We have a a really strong cohort within our TIA program, um, but also to see where we're going to be moving our CVI, getting a little ahead of ourselves in the conversation, getting to see where CVI and CGIU go in the coming year.
0: All right. We'll explain those acronyms later. Yes, absolutely.
3: Hi there. Travis Millman here. I came to Colgate fairly recently in February of this year as the first entrepreneur in residence. And uh, I'm also somewhat new to higher education uh, because I spent my whole career as an entrepreneur. I've, uh, as far as I could count, I've done 10 uh, startups over the years. Perhaps my best known one being audible.com. Oh, wow. It's kind of fun to do a podcast with yeah. uh, that background. But uh, yeah, I've. Um, I started advising and mentoring and coaching startups six or seven years ago, first in a commercial uh, uh, accelerator context and then more recently at the University of Connecticut. But as I realized that my love of teaching and mentoring was growing, uh, I jumped at the opportunity to come to Colgate to serve as the first full-time on-campus entrepreneur in residence to help help. Uh, steer the TIA program, and also work closely with uh, students, faculty, alumni, uh, the whole uh, range of constituents we have around TIA.
0: Nice. So let's break down all of the different components within the office. You have Thought into Action. That's the the flagship program for entrepreneurs, so students or anyone within the community that wants to start a business or a nonprofit, something like that. Can you explain that program?
1: Absolutely. So Thought into Action is our experiential co-curricular program. It's open for students as well as any member of the Colgate community more broadly who's interested in taking an idea and turning that into a tangible product or service. In a given year, we usually have 20 to 40 ventures in the program, and they span everything from scalable tech startups to nonprofit organizations to campus-focused initiatives, um, including a a bubble tea company, a campus ride-sharing company, uh, and kind of everything in between. That program is really centered around mentorship, so we pair these entrepreneurs with alumni who have experience as early-stage founders and startup team members. They work hand-in-hand with them to really help them bring their ideas to fruition. And we also provide additional programming and content, giving them startup basics and a lot of the fundamental skills that they need to be able to move their idea forward.
0: Nice. And what are some of the other programs that you all
1: Yeah, so our strategic vision sees our office really having six or seven key areas in which we provide programs and services. Thought into action is one of those. Another area where we're building out support on campus is what we call research into action. And so that's support for faculty, uh, as well as other scholars on campus who are interested in taking their research beyond the walls of the university. And so that could be things like patents and commercialization, um, that could be entrepreneurial endeavors of their own. It could also be other kinds of public scholarship. And so this year, we're having a number of conversations with faculty and others across campus around how we can support them and starting to pilot some things and bring some resources to campus in that area. Nice. Yeah. A couple other areas that fall under entrepreneurship and innovation include campus entrepreneurship. So as I talked about, a lot of the students who are in our TIA program are thinking about their services and offerings here at Colgate. And we're interested in creating additional support and infrastructure to provide those types of things. In addition, social entrepreneurship is a growing area. Besides Nonprofits that participate in TIA. We also have the Clinton Global Initiative University program. That was that CGI the ah, Christian reference, okay. And that program, we're in our third year as a member institution. We typically have two to three students who are selected as a CGIU fellow every year to support their innovative social ideas. That program comes with funding. We also send them to the annual meeting of CGIU. This past year it was at Vanderbilt University where they hear from international speakers and they participate in workshops around moving their idea forward. So that's another uh, program that we have within the social entrepreneurship lens. Jumping back, the CVI that Christian talked about is that Campus Venture Initiative, part of our support for campus intrapreneurs. That's a,
0: intrapreneurs.
1: Intrapreneurs. What is yes. an
0: intrapreneur? So
1: an intrapreneur is someone who ha- takes an entrepreneurial approach to advances within an existing organization. Ah. So for students who are thinking about doing things on Colgate's campus, they're typically not able to do that in a vacuum. They have to partner with campus offices in order to move their ideas forward, so our CVI committee provides certification for student run businesses to operate on campus. It also puts them directly in touch with offices, including campus safety, residential life, food services, who they would likely need to coordinate with in order to be able to really operate successfully here at Colgate. I see. Oh, yeah. Very yep.
0: neat. Did you want to add something about uh, arts and arts creativity and innovation weekend?
1: Yes. So Arts, Creativity, and Innovation Weekend was held for the first time this past April. Mm -hmm. That weekend was historically Entrepreneur Weekend on campus. But now, with entrepreneurship and innovation positioned within the middle campus, we as university have reimagined that weekend to have this broader middle campus focus. We're now starting to look ahead to ACI Weekend 2024. It's just been announced that Amanda Gorman, Poet Laureate, will be the global leader speaker. Uh, here on campus during that time. We're also going to be thinking about our yearly entrepreneur showcase that happens at that time where we feature all of the ventures in our TIA incubator um, with their product booths as well as our Shark Tank style pitch competition on stage. And then The ACI planning committee, which I'm part of, is thinking about the programming for that weekend more broadly. So we're going to be putting together a really great slate of programs and events happening on campus for our students here, faculty and staff, as well as alumni. So I just want to put a little plug in for uh, our listeners to keep an eye out for the slate of events that will be coming together for that.
0: I guess I should ask uh, more broadly, how... You all fit into the the middle campus or, you know, how the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, um, both physically and I guess uh, programmatically, yeah. uh, fit into what's going on with the middle campus, the new construction going on and, and the plans for the future there.
1: Yeah. So the middle campus is a really exciting initiative for our office and I now has a home in the middle campus in a way that's different than before. Previously, we were under career services and part of student life when we were focused more narrowly on the TIA program, mm-hmm. but now with our purview being expanded, we're Positioned within this arts, creativity, and innovation umbrella, which is co locating us both physically as well as programmatically with other departments on campus, including computer science, the visual and performing arts, and others who are engaged with those creative and innovative endeavors. And so from a physical standpoint, what that means is that our eventual home will be in a renovated Dana Center for Co-Curricular Innovation and Design, where we'll have a two-floor innovation hub with open floor plan space, a couple maker spaces, individual meeting rooms. Um, It's going to be really, really exciting. until we're in that space, we will be in the Benton Center. And so we'll be in there with computer science and with film and media studies. So we'll be moving more soon into the middle campus to be uh, closely located next to our uh, ACI neighbors.
0: Um, so how has the office changed since its inception? I know that obviously you all have a new title, um, and, um, there's more programs now. Um, But mentors seem to still be kind of at the heart of everything you all do. How many mentors are there and how has that changed through the years?
1: So mentors really have been the lifeblood of our program. And over the years, we've had a really amazing group of dedicated alumni and parents and other friends of the university who really give their time and energy to supporting our entrepreneurs. During the pandemic, a really interesting thing actually happened for us. While a lot of campus offices were struggling with um, engaging students, we actually found that going virtual – ended up being a blessing in disguise for us because we were able to engage so many mentors in a way that we just hadn't been able to beforehand when our program was primarily reliant upon in-person, on-campus interactions. So coming out of the pandemic, we've adopted a hybrid format, um, and I'm gonna have Travis speak to this a little bit more about the plan for this year, but that hybrid format has really um, facilitated engagement by alumni all over the country, regardless of where they're located, what they do, their bandwidth and ability to get to campus. Now they can just dial into a Zoom once a month, a couple times a month, from time to time, really whatever suits their schedule and abilities the most to have that engagement with students. And we've gotten really positive um, responses from students about being able to connect in with our alumni virtually. Hmm.
3: You know, I think reflecting on the pandemic, Uh, It really changed the way that people work uh, Mm. writ large, not just here at Colgate. And I think our program is really striving to adopt the best practices, in some ways, the best of both worlds. So we will be having uh, some significant on-campus events that we hope uh, our mentors from all over the country uh, will get to from time to time. But we're also recognizing that it's impossible for uh, most of these folks to spend you know, to come here every month or to be here working with students only face-to-face. So by really adopting the best uh, tools we can, not just Zoom but Slack and some other software platforms that we're adopting this year, we can facilitate really close working relationships between our entrepreneurs and our mentors uh, across time and distance. Hmm. Uh, and one of the, I think, really positive signs we're seeing this year is we did a call for mentors. We made it clear that uh, they can indeed participate at different levels of intensity, different modalities. And I believe we're north of 70 mentors oh, wow. uh, from our alumni community, which just delights us and will be such a resource for our student entrepreneurs and also uh, any entrepreneurs coming from faculty, staff, or uh, or alumni themselves. And uh, I'll just take this little opportunity to do a shout out uh, to anyone in the extended Colgate community that might be hearing this podcast who has an interest or would like to explore uh, TIA. They should definitely uh, reach out to us.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question uh, as to like somebody listening and they want to help or they feel like they have something to share with students. How do they go about doing that? Do they just send you all an email or what, what's the process?
3: Right. So well, we have a website. Uh, uh, you can find TIA uh, at, at Colgate. I think it's colgate.edu TIA. It is, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they can sign up right there and then. They could uh, find our contact information and reach out if they have questions they'd like to pursue. In general, there are several types of mentors, lead mentors who are more engaged, supporting mentors who might need a little more flexibility in the way that they engage, And we have another category we call simply subject matter experts. Mm -hmm. And this is a call to action to virtually anyone in the Colgate community who uh, has uh, particular skills or experience or connections to offer. It's super lightweight. Uh, It's only reactive if a student, if an entrepreneur has a question, has a request, and finds uh, such a subject matter expert in our directory, they'll reach out. And in Colgate fashion... Uh, pick up the phone when when that entrepreneur calls. That's all that's required. It's
0: very cool. So tell me a little bit about some of the things that the mentors help students work through. Like what are the common issues or challenges that students may have when they're starting a business, when they're starting one of these kind of entrepreneurial pursuits that maybe they didn't realize, you know, when they came into the program and now they need to figure out, I don't know, something complicated that has never been on their plate before.
1: I'd say the first thing that mentors help students with is understanding if anyone else really wants what the students think they want. (laughs) So, and this is pretty common in entrepreneurship. A lot of times the students come up with an idea that they feel really passionate about that meets a need in their life without thinking about, is this something that really resonates with other users? And If it does, that also then has a business opportunity. So that validation, that customer discovery, that's really the first phase of helping the students dig into their idea. And the mentors play a really critical role in um, walking them through how to do that as well as some of the questions they should be asking and the realities that they need to be thinking about.
2: I was going to say, I, I know some of our students come into the program with the customer discovery having been their friends and family only. Sure. And so opening up that circle and bringing in more voices, I don't want to say more earnest voices, but more well-balanced voices into that uh, discovery helps them identify whether their idea is truly great or if it's something that has been passed on to them as great.
0: Right. It's more of like an impartial third party. To... Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
3: All right. What are some of the other things? Sure. Uh, Zooming back a little bit, uh, I think mentors play a very multifaceted role, uh, ranging from kind of emotional support at times, certainly motivational interviewing techniques are things we encourage mentors to use uh, in support of, of the entrepreneurs. It's a very delicate balance. We don't want mentors to be overly prescriptive. We don't want them kind of getting in the driver's seat and pushing aside the entrepreneur. That's not our model. But when there are obvious, I'm going to stick with the automotive metaphor here, when there are obvious potholes in the road ahead, pointing those out and encouraging students to be attentive and to think about coming up with solutions to problems that are uh, can be anticipated, these are really crucial roles. And another role... Uh, I would say that that is uh, sometimes underrated but super important is being an accountability partner. Uh, students here at Colgate are super busy with their academics and their extracurriculars. Finding time to focus on their uh, venture can be challenging. So having that very uh, carefully balanced approach to encouragement, to uh, really pushing students to be their best is what we're trying to have our mentors aspire to do.
0: And how do students get into the program? So do they just show up when you folks have an event or do they send an email? And then what is the commitment? Like what goes into this um, from the student side?
2: So students have multiple ways of finding out about our program. We've We've um, blanketed the campus in multiple ways. We have posters up. We have uh, the digital screens that are across campus. We've also um, been tabling at multiple sessions, Alana Palooza, the student organizational fair. We have the health and wellness fair coming up. And so the the way that we would love to engage with them the most is face-to-face. That way we can answer some of their questions and alleviate some of those concerns that they may have about what is this undertaking, especially if they've never... Uh, participated in an entrepreneurial endeavor in the past so we love those face-to-face interactions um they can certainly go and, and adventure on their own to our website kovia.u backslash tia there is the application link is on there but there's also a um uh there's also a breakdown of information about our program what it entails and and how they can become involved so the first step in the process would be to go to our website tia. Uh, coget.edu backslash tia and fill out our signup form on that form we're just collecting basic information about the students so that we can reach out to them and add them into our communications channels they don't have to have an idea they don't have to have that big idea this year they can come in just aspiring to be an entrepreneur to pop maybe join another venture to maybe uh start that ideation process with us to just to have a a, a moment of discovery and come up with their big idea. They can fill out that online sign-up form, or they can attend one of our two orientation sessions that are coming up. That's another great way for them to pick our brains about our program. What what is the the heavy lift for this? How, what is it going to entail on my schedule in addition to my academics and my athletics, et cetera, et cetera? And I think Travis can talk a little bit more about what the whole year in a nutshell looks like.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, if you don't mind, I think I'll, I'll start by kind of sharing what I think is an important kind of why, why TIA. Um, it, to me, uh, uh, one of the most salient reasons for TIA is the uh, amazing acceleration we've seen in the world in terms of new technologies, in terms of problems and challenges Things are moving faster. Uh, Change is happening across almost every industry at unprecedented levels. So much ambiguity, so many uh, uh, things to adapt to, obstacles to overcome. The skills of entrepreneurship and innovation really speak to those kinds of challenges. And so um, I I wanted to not miss the opportunity to emphasize uh, that TIA's why is really to equip uh, the students, the alumni, uh, even the, men- the mentors are learning uh, about new technologies and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, the, that, that's something uh, that I think is at the foundations of why we're doing what we're doing. In terms of kind of the what of TIA, um, we are in very much an innovative and entrepreneurial spirit – endeavoring to evolve the program, building on its historical strengths, and, of course, keeping some of the key pillars like the way mentors uh, function in in, in the program. But we're also doing new things. Uh, This year, we're we're bringing in uh, new tools, new ways of working. Uh, We're trying to adopt best practices. Uh, When Andy Greenfield and Wills Hapworth started the program back in 2009, the state of the art for entrepreneurship education was pretty different, and the world has really uh, caught up in some uh, intensive ways. So uh, we're borrowing techniques from places like the National Science Foundation's ICOR program, uh, using customer discovery uh, techniques. That that word came up a few minutes ago uh, to help uh, teams really connect with a sufficient number of of outside perspectives to really validate that what they're doing indeed is, is uh, uh, delivering value to people. Uh, so over the course of the year, we allow and enable teams that might be working across the three tracks that Carolyn mentioned, the scalable ventures, the local or campus uh, businesses, and the nonprofits or social enterprises. They go on an entrepreneurial journey that starts with ideation and validation moves on to building and testing a product or service, and then wraps up with launching and growing uh, that, that, pro- that uh, product or service. Again, whether it's for-profit for or non-profit, the pattern is the same. Uh, so uh, from the beginning of, of the program, which is starting this month in September, uh, through to the end, uh, which happens on ACI weekend in April, You know, we have a whole journey plan that includes speakers and panelists and workshops and activities and a whole bunch of um, deliverables along the way, all geared towards supporting entrepreneurs, having them make progress. And sometimes progress takes some time. We have had teams that have taken three or four years here at Colgate to realize their ideas. Mm -hmm. And we think that's terrific.
0: Do you have some examples of teams that have Kind of taken off as a result of the program.
1: Absolutely, one of our most well-known ventures is Fair Harbor Clothing. That's one that often I will talk to parents and alums and students, and they'll say, "Oh, I've heard of Fair Harbor. Amazing that they came out of Colgate." Or I'll wait,
0: wait, what? What's Fair Harbor? Oh,
1: yeah. So Fair Harbor Clothing, started by Jake Danahy from the class of 2016 and his sister Caroline from the class of 2019 is a clothing company. They started out with board shorts made out of recycled plastic. And this idea came out of Jake's experience as an environmental studies student learning about the amount of plastic waste happening in our world, as well as his experiences of spending the summers on the beach. Uh, And so marrying those two uh, aspects to really create this Company that now does much more than board shorts. They do polo shirts. They do athletic wear. Um, it's re- you know. They they sell nationwide, and they are, have a flagship store down in Soho. Our team was actually down there in July. We held a networking reception with alumni uh, in New York as, and our summer accelerator teams, which are uh, th- were this year five. Teams of students and recent alumni who were spending the summer working full time on their ventures as part of our summer accelerator.
0: Tell me more about the accelerator before we get to other startups.
1: Sure. So the summer accelerator is really meant to fuel the growth for promising ventures started by students and recent alumni. It's open to groups that are either current students or recent graduates within the past ten years. They receive around ten thousand dollars in funding to support their growth, and then they work. Full time for six to eight weeks on their venture. This year, we had a really great format that we adopted for the first time, which was we started out with a two week boot camp here in Hamilton. That was led by Travis, who arranged for deep dive sessions into all different topics from fundraising to marketing to uh, business model canvas and more. And then they segued from the boot camp into about five weeks of field work, where they could be either here in Hamilton or in the location of their choice, working on moving their venture forward. And then we culminated with a three-day capstone down in New York City, where they had wrap-up sessions. We had site visits to two startups. We had this reception. And then the teams also spent time engaging in customer discovery uh, and business meetings as well.
0: Can you talk about some of the other companies, maybe some examples of... um some startups that cross over those three buckets that you mentioned.
3: Definitely. Uh, Let's take uh, some ventures that are prominent right here in Hamilton. Uh, Most of our Colgate community is familiar with flour and salt. Uh, That's a TIA venture. I think that dates back to 2012, if I recall, but uh, has uh, gone on to great and very tasty heights. We also have the Good Nature Brewery, uh, another TIA venture, which uh, is another way to uh, feed and and, uh, uh, quench the thirst of the the Colgate and Hamilton communities. So these are two what we describe as local or campus ventures. Carolyn mentioned that this year we have a bubble tea venture called Chagate. And what was really uh, notable about Chagate is it was started by two freshmen, Uh, who came in, identified a gap, and uh, to their huge credit, very quickly spun up a business, uh, tested it, and have already started selling commercially, fully licensed. And they also, in addition to selling outside of Frank and other places uh, that you'll see them on campus this year, they also sometimes uh, serve bubble tea at different events, uh, which uh, has proven very popular. So those are some examples of local ones. Um, we also have some nice examples of social enterprises and nonprofits. I'll mention one, and then maybe Carolyn and Christian can chime in with a couple of others. Sure. Um, one I've had the chance to work very closely with is called Everlasting Technology, which is a really interesting kind of hybrid. They're a mission-driven enterprise, but they're also for-profit, and their vision is to solve for the incredibly challenging uh, cooking uh Uh, crisis, I would call it, in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. Folks who've relied on firewood are suffering from deforestation and finding it difficult to source fuel for cooking for their family. Uh, They're trying to turn to um, uh, fossil fuels of different sorts, propane, for example, but they're often very expensive and difficult to come by. So uh, against this very difficult backdrop, Uh, McDonald Shirara and a team of of other students—McDonald is an international student here at Colgate from uh, Zimbabwe—came up with a technological approach to solving for this that involves solar panels, a battery system, and a very efficient induction stove. Mm. And it's been very gratifying to see the team actually have their first uh, prototype units on the ground in Zimbabwe— really starting to solve uh, problems on the ground there. So that's a a venture to keep an eye on there. McDonald's here for another couple of years, and I anticipate uh, very big things uh, from him and his team.
0: I foresee a future podcast episode. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk about some of the other uh, uh, groups that have, or the other ventures that have started up?
2: So I'll talk about one that's currently in our program. So uh, stepping back for just a second. when i when I heard about the Assistant Director position open, um as I was learning more about our program, one of the first adventures that I saw on the website was Backpacks for Kids. I come from a background of about fifteen years in nonprofits, and at the end of the day, I feel like my my work needs to matter, that I want to do something that is making an impact for the greater good in the world. And so, as I was reading through the description for Backpacks for Kids, I was just just blown away by what they were trying to achieve. So this venture started, I think it was in 2020. So they're one of our ventures that have been around for a while. They've had a little bit of turnover um, in leadership just as as graduation affects all of the ventures. And uh, Backpacks for Kids identified a need at the border, uh, at our specifically, our southern border with Mexico of um, immigrant families coming up and then I don't want to say residing at the border, but being there as they awaited the process for them to be able to enter into the United States. It would be months or for some individuals up to, up to a year. For the children that are there at the border that were brought there by their families and are kind of obligated to reside in these small communities with no resources, nothing to spur them intellectually, to keep them excited from a recreational standpoint, Um, This venture identified that as a need and their purpose is to create, to fill these backpacks with uh, both educational opportunities, but also like jump ropes and things along those lines to um, have them, to give them a way to make it through the day. And so I'm very excited about uh, that. That is a venture in our program and that they're continuing on and that they've had this transition and leadership to bring new energy and vibrancy to their venture year after year.
0: Can you explain that? So how does this work? Is this like a legacy, uh, a legacy startup, whereas the students that started it handed it off to other students and they're not involved anymore? Or they or how does that work?
2: So we've had a, a few ventures that have had that kind of a, a transition. Um, we we encourage it upfront for them to identify kind of that legacy, that handoff. How, when this year's crop of leaders are going to be moving on, how are you going to pass it up? How, how is that chain of command going to be moving along?
1: That sustainability of a venture and the leadership transition can be a really critical moment for these student ventures. Many times students start these, especially with the goal of either meeting the needs of the Colgate community or as something that is specifically met for Colgate students to run. And then when those leaders graduate... To be able to hand it off to underclassmen so that that venture continues. So, Backpacks for Kids is a great example of that. The original leaders, many of them have graduated already, and a few of the others are seniors. So, they've brought on underclassmen to be able to really continue what is a 501c3 nonprofit as a specifically Colgate student run nonprofit organization.
0: So, it's like it's a nonprofit that lives here. And it's part of this community. And so they're getting these materials or they're getting these backpacks together to send to the board. Yes. Oh, wow. Exactly. And have they they gone forth and done that? Have they sent backpacks already? Yeah.
1: So – Yes, they've had several shipments. One of the really interesting things about this venture was that it actually came out of uh, the students' academic experience. So they went on an extended study course down to the border where they saw these camps firsthand, came back to Colgate, and said, we want to do something about this. So that was how they came to TIA. So they've had several shipments since, since then. things have pivoted for them quite a bit in addition to the leadership changes. Also, the situation at the border has changed quite a bit. They went through the pandemic as well. Uh, They started out just before the pandemic hit and have been in operation ever since. So they've been pivoting and continuing to evolve their venture to meet the needs of their target community down there at the border.
3: Actually, I've I've heard that they're also starting to expand their focus so that they're looking to Communities that are closer to here, for yeah. example, in Utica, mm-hmm. uh, where there are immigrant communities that lack resources and uh, these kids are are showing up in school with nothing. Uh, having backpacks for them and giving them that kind of comfort and that kind of inspiration that they too can be successful as a student is something that the Backpack for Kids program are really leaning into now and, and we think is terrific. Wow, that's really neat. And if I could, just to come full circle, we yeah. kind of gave a little bit of short shrift to some of our for profit scalable ventures, uh, of which there are many. So, just a few shout outs. Yes, please do. Colgate, being a sports powerhouse uh, uh, for our size and, and our division, uh, not surprisingly, spawned some sports related startups. So, two that come to mind are Shot Quality and Gipper. Uh, Shot qualities uh, about analytics and helping a variety of constituents uh, uh, understand which shots, particularly in basketball, I think is their focus, um, are the ones that are likely to be successful. And that analytic information is very valuable to various people, obviously people running basketball programs. But uh, I I believe we're uh, discovering that people who bet on basketball (laughs) games are also interested in this information. Um, uh, and they're as, starting to expand into soccer as well. Cool, other sports. Uh, and Gipper is all about the incredible importance of communicating something near and dear to your heart, Dan. Uh, you know about the sports teams, what they're doing, getting out to their fans. So Gipper uh, automates many processes for social media posting and things like that so that, let's say, a high school or a small college program can present almost like a professional team. And that uh, company has recently secured a big round of financing and is really expanding its footprint across the United States.
0: Well, I can give you some feedback because we use Gipper uh, in Colgate Athletics. And in fact, uh, it was one of those programs that when it first started... I think it was like, let's, let's wait and see. Let's see where it goes and see how it works. And then the proof is there. Um, they have a great product. And uh, I think it has drastically improved the visuals on Colgate's athletic social media feeds. And that is for all the 25 Division I teams are using it. So
3: very cool. Super. Yeah, maybe just one more to uh, shout out uh, uh, is called Chicory. And Chicory was started by... Uh, uh, a gentleman who's still a, a fixture in our program, uh, Uni Saito Baker.
1: Uni ba- Baker Saito and his co-founder, Joey Patraca, both class of 2013.
3: Thank you for that. Um, yeah, uh, Uni serves as a mentor, has served as a mentor for many years running. But chicory has really made a big dent in the world in the area of recipes and what is sometimes called recipe commerce or recipe e-commerce By having recipes connect to shopping carts or online ordering systems, uh, the the information about a recipe is activated into a purchase. And that's a very large uh, market that chicory is starting to really make some serious traction in.
0: That's great, especially when you're cooking and you're wondering where to find these ingredients, right? So it's nice that there's a, a button now. All right. And this year, I think, Christian, I think you touched on it uh, briefly, but it's a little different in that students don't need to start out with an idea. Um, I know in the past it was something like, if you have an idea, come to us and we'll help you bring it to market or help figure it out. Um, But now, if a student just wants to be involved, they can show up. So what is that process or how do you help them work through ways to decide on what to do?
1: Yeah. I can speak to this. So this is absolutely an important evolution for the TIA program. The feedback that we've gotten from the past is that we've always required students to come in with a specific idea, yet we hear from students very frequently that they're interested in entrepreneurship but don't necessarily have that specific idea yet. So this year we've really expanded to be able to welcome students who don't have an idea. We can help them with ideation and developing those ideas and then validating those. We're also doing more to match interested students Uh, who met, like I'll use the term free agent, who may be free agents with existing ventures who are in need of either new leaders to come on to pass the business down to or individual contributors with specific skill sets. So that's been a really important change for the program this year, as well as the ability for ventures to join the program at any time during the year, both ventures and individual students. Historically, TIA has had one on-ramp at the start of the fall semester, and that's been hard when we've received outreach from students throughout the year, hey, I'm interested, this program sounds great, how can I get involved? we want to be able to capitalize upon that interest immediately and allow them to on-ramp into our program. And so this year, although we're still doing our big recruiting push at the start of the fall, students can join at any point. And the program that Travis is creating is really allowing and facilitating for those on-ramps at any time. So those are a couple of really important changes that are going to allow us to better meet the needs of our students here on campus.
2: And if I can add on to that just a little bit, um, I I think one of the assumptions that a lot of the students across campus have is that to enter into our program, they need to have that kind of a business mindset. And that is where those big ideas come from. The The, the correction that we want to make to that assumption is that our program is open to everybody. A lot of our ventures need these skills that Carolyn was talking about earlier, whether they're graphic design skills or coding or um, analytical skills or how to uh, develop a business plan. We, there's there's so many different skill sets that we would love to have the campus community bring into our program that we want to make sure that that invitation is out there, that everybody can see themselves with this kind of an entrepreneurial hat on. It's not just those who are coming in with just a, just a very strong business
0: focus. Want to talk a little bit about research into action?
1: Sure, absolutely. So research into action is a new focus area for us. The goal is really to support faculty and other scholars on campus who are interested in doing innovative things with their research. And so that really can range. We have faculty on Colgate's campus who've received patents. And that's been supported through the provost's office. Mm. Our office is now an additional resource to help with those kinds of things. In addition, there are really fabulous programs out there. Travis referenced the NSF i That's a program for entrepreneurial-minded faculty and researchers who have really interesting ideas coming out of their research that they can do completely for free to investigate those ideas more, to validate them, and to discover if there's anything there that could be turned into a business concept.
0: Tell me, tell me NSF i
1: Yes. All right. Yep. So
0: National Science Foundation? Yes. What's i
3: I believe it originally meant Innovation Core, Uh, but they abbreviated to ICO. Okay,
0: all right, cool. Um, So, what are some of the things, or I guess, what are some good examples of things that would be part of the Research into Action initiative?
1: Sure. I'll give you an example. So this past January, I attended a workshop organized by Union College and the NSF all around supporting technology innovation at primarily undergraduate institutions. And so these are schools like ours that don't have a tech transfer office. Tech transfer officers are very standard at these larger R1 universities where they have a real pipeline of research and commercialization of that research. For us, for, for universities of our size, we don't have that in-house service, yet we have faculty who are doing really innovative things in their field and also faculty who may be interested in taking that research beyond the university walls. Mm-hmm. So this conference in January was an introduction to that technology innovation and what those re- resources look like and how you can support that kind of a mindset and activities at primarily undergraduate institutions. Coming out of that workshop in January, part two is actually going to be happening at Union College in October. And so we're taking a cohort from Colgate that's including Travis and myself, is including Laura Festine, director of the grants office, and we're all, we're going with computer science professor Noah Apthorpe. And so the idea for part two is for undergraduate institutions to bring together a team that includes a faculty member as well as administrators to spend time digging deeper into what these kinds of activities might look like on a campus like Colgate's. So Noah's research is related to privacy and learning management systems in K-12. And so he'll be bringing that idea and engaging in some of the types of activities that you would in an I-Corps program. So starting to think about what might the application of that research be in a commercial setting, in a public setting. And we as a team will be learning about how we might support someone like Noah and to be able to take next steps with that research.
0: Very cool. And I will add a shameless plug. Uh, uh, Noah was on uh, the podcast recently talking about AI. So if you want to hear from Professor Apthorpe, you can go back and check it out.
1: And he's actually going to be speaking on a panel of ours during our first TIA kickoff weekend all about the intersection between AI and entrepreneurship and innovation.
3: Well, tell me about that weekend. So happy to. And I did want to say I was driving back from New York City when I got the chance to listen to that podcast. And I just want to uh, encourage anyone with an interest in this area to dig in. It was Noah and several other Colgate faculty with lots of juicy uh, things to say about AI. In fact, it was one of the inspirations for us. Uh, Long story short, uh, getting back to this issue of students, entrepreneurs who don't necessarily have a clear idea for what they want to do. That, In addition to welcoming them in this year uh, in the spirit of inclusivity and expanding our our impact, we also realized that maybe it would be helpful to pull together a series of panel discussions on topics that might uh, promote or um, almost provoke An innovation response. So AI being such a powerful change in the technology landscape, not just in terms of what it could do to actually enable new business opportunities, but even the way one acts as an entrepreneur uh, and writes. Copy for marketing campaigns or decides on product features, even those things are being profoundly influenced by AI and so we wanted to bring some thought leaders together to share, to stimulate, and to uh, move our community forward and with with information about ai but we 're not stopping there in November. Uh, we're going to be uh, working with several of our colleagues here at, at Colgate, as well as some o- outside experts, to do a sustainability uh, panel. Uh, we're also looking ahead to doing a, a, a workshop on mental health and well-being, and we're really interested in what our community here at Colgate wants to hear, wants to dive into. And you know, like any startup, our program too is trying to be agile and innovative and. Uh, when there's a desire for something, we're going to move uh, to try to uh, make it happen. And so I imagine over the course of this academic year, we'll be doing, we'll be going even beyond the three topics or four topics I just mentioned. But yeah, we're super psyched. And thank you for uh, stimulating us to think about AI through that oh, excellent podcast. That's very neat
0: so um, what goes into the the work that you folks all do with the mentors like how how does how is that managed once people kind of get into the program and and they're starting to help students how do you interact with them
3: yeah uh, great question so in addition to kind of promoting the program to them answering questions uh, helping orient them even train them in certain techniques uh, we also are really trying to treat our, our valued mentors you know, as a uh, community that deserves to be supported and served in their own right. So uh, another kind of new leaf for us is trying to develop programming that will be of interest to mentors. After all, they do so much for us and so much for our teams. We want to do more for them as well. So we're always looking for ways within the constraints of, budgets and reality uh, that that we can to kind of thank them uh, and to encourage them uh, to keep coming back, whether it's cool programs where they could learn something, Mm. uh, as well as the gratification that comes from uh, flipping the switch and opening the door uh, for student entrepreneurs who uh, may remember some of these mentor interactions for the rest of their careers, In fact, some of our most successful entrepreneurs that we talked about during this discussion, if you ask them, they can tell you specifically who their mentor was, what they learned for them, and many of them are still in touch. It's a beautiful thing. That's really neat.
0: You've all made it to question 13. Fabulous. Um, So I'm curious as to um, if there have been ideas that have come across your desk that you were like, oh, no. And, and without naming names or, or or even, you know, shaming anything, but have there been projects you all had to turn down or maybe this happens a lot. Maybe there are a lot of projects that come through that you're like, eh, maybe this is, doesn't work and for one reason or another, um, or to counter that, um, are there projects that came in that you were sure would be um, unsuccessful or might have a really hard time getting to market um, to launch that surprised you and turned out to be a success story in the end?
3: Hmm. What an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I will say this, having been an entrepreneur for my whole career and having encountered tons of ideas along the way, I have learned to be humble about <laughs> what works and what doesn't. Because one of the most uh, consistent patterns i've I've observed over time is that true innovation can often be hard to recognize uh, for those of us who don't have uh, or yet access to that that glimmer of genius that that opens the door to really profoundly new things so mm-hmm. Every time I find myself starting to react in the way that you were telegraphing ooh or, <laughs> or wow, I kind of hold myself back and say, say more. And really, at the end of the day, I think it's our job to create a space, to create resources, to create a community around entrepreneurship and innovation that will allow everything from the most incremental of ideas. You know, we'd we'd rather – you know, have uh, uh, you know a new type of food in the dining hall? Some some kind of entrepreneurship thing like that. Um, to the most radical uh, ideas for uh, society uh, impacting change, I think it's all good, and we're here to facilitate it and support it as long as it's legal yeah. <laughs> and, and, and appropriate. I would say, you know, but but yeah, from my perspective, uh, you know. The editorial part comes later. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anything, Tad?
1: I would say I get excited by all of the ideas that come through the door. It's just the enthusiasm of the students, their passion. It gets me excited regardless of what kind of idea it is. I'll also just Very add – Very diplomatic. Yeah, <laughs> I think someti- there, sometimes there are real learning moments for students as they take a – high-level, pie-in-the-sky idea, and then start to learn about some of the realities about how to move that forward. And that can be everything from them having a technical idea but no technical skills we also see that with ideas that affect Colgate's campus, and just understanding that they have to work hand in hand with the university in order to make things happen, and we can really innovate and make real changes on campus, but that you ha- you can't do some things in a vacuum. Sure. Um, and so there, are, like, it's interesting to see students have these really important life lessons that they're going to take into whatever they end up doing professionally afterwards and understanding how to move an idea forward, how to collaborate with other stakeholders and how to make something actually really happen.
3: You know, Carolyn, that's such a good point. I'm I'm so glad you raised it because uh, it is tempting to view the success or failure of TIA or the ventures that come into it based on Did a successful company or a nonprofit come out the other side? And, of course, we want to encourage that success. But that is far from the only story here. The skills developed, the experiences developed, the the relationships forged. These are lifelong assets that we're here to help cultivate. uh, And and that's something that we're super proud of. Uh, Every uh, entrepreneur, every aspiring entrepreneur who walks in the door – they are taking a step uh, towards uh, changing their future and maybe just changing the world as well. And we're just delighted to see that.
0: Thank you, Carolyn and Travis and Christian for coming on the program today. This was really great. Uh, for folks listening, if you would like to learn more about uh, what's happening at Colgate with respect to entrepreneurship and innovation, you can visit colgate.edu entrepreneurship. And until next time, keep asking questions. 13 is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications and Events. Episodes are recorded on campus in Lathrop Hall. Executive producer, Colgate Vice President for Communications and Events, L. Hazel Jack. Producer and host, Dan DeVries. And audio production by Brian Ness. Learn about all the happenings at Colgate at colgate.edu, colgatemagazine.com, and colgateresearchmagazine.com.